0: everybody welcome back to another edition of the teardown my name is Jeff luck I'm along with my co-worker Jordan Bianchi we are motorsports writers for the athletic and we are here with another off-season podcast uh, we were thinking of doing themes uh, leading up to the clash in the Daytona 500 but then it was a pretty busy news week at least for Jordan here who broke uh, two stories this week and we'll talk about that in a moment but um uh, I was on jury duty for most of the week on a case that was not very fun um on a trial uh dealing with sexual assault so that was my week while Jordan was holding down the fort and breaking all sorts of news Jordan uh big week for you big week
1: yeah i feel bad i mean that's a uh, we had two different weeks, let's just say, very different weeks. Uh, and I feel bad that you had to go through what you went through. That can't be fun. Can't imagine having to go through that process. Um, but on the motorsport side, the, the toy department side, if you will, uh, yeah, busy week. I mean, I don't think – I mean, honestly, the, the stuff that came, the the, the biggest shocking thing was the, the Kyle Larson Indy 500 thing that seemed to kind of come out of nowhere a little bit, uh, which was a- incredible to – to kind of put together and that Rick Hendricks is going to be involved as well. And it, you know, from, based on what Kyle said uh, the other day, this doesn't, he doesn't give the impression that this is necessarily a one-off that this could be the first of a a, a multiple attempts. So, uh, you know, we'll obviously get into all that, but yeah, very busy week, lots to discuss and it's going to be, uh, I think Daytona looking at it's going to be very interesting. A lot of different storylines.
0: So let's talk about the first story, uh, that you dropped this week, um, which was Kevin Harvick, uh, retiring from full-time racing at the end of this season. Uh, a lot of people thought, well, you just saw the patch on his shirt, uh, from Reddit or whatever that was the forever thing." And boy, did that annoy you because you had had this, you've been chasing this for uh, a few days or longer before that. And yeah. And, and you, uh, and then everybody said, yeah. "Oh, you just knew it cuz of Reddit." No. No.
1: No. I su- I think mean, like that like, God bless people at Reddit. Like I and I love them. But I saw that get put out there and I'm like, and I said that you, you and I were like messaging. I'm like, "No. No, don't put that out there. Don't 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 let people know what's going on or not. We'll, we'll <laughs> you let,
0: you were let so Kevin close.
1: Know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like no. Go. Oh, no. <laughs> we've had this story written for a while. Like it's it's been ready to go. So this was but again, I mean, in all seriousness, this wasn't a surprise, right? I mean, I mean, I know we know what Kevin said back in, in December in Nashville, and he was going to have a decision by Daytona. So you, you knew one way or another this was coming. You go back even further, you know, team owner Gene Haas made comments to the Associated Press and, and to Fox Sports that indicated that Harvick really wasn't interested in the contract extension past 23, and, and you talk to people. You, just, you, you read the tea leaves. I don't think anybody was shocked by this decision, and, you know, it's – It is what it is, and and good for Kevin. I mean, Kevin's accomplished everything you can in this sport. And, you know, for me, I don't think people – I don't think I really realized it, and I don't think a lot of people do as well, that, like, how great of a driver he is. You know, just how incredible. This is a guy who's won every major NASCAR race there is. That's something that a lot of Truex, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, Keselowski, Logano, a lot of these big names, Matt Kenseth, haven't done. Kevin's done it and he's won everything there is to win. And I, I wrote about this this week, so I don't need to, to kind of rehash everything. And I like to hear your thoughts, Jeff on this.
0: Well, you know, first of all, I think for a while there, I mean, especially as his, his, you know, the, the RCR years sort of dragged on, you started to think, you know, this guy, boy, he really had some flashes of potential there, but, Ultimately, he's sort of going to fall short of really going down as an all-time great. You know, at that point, he hadn't won a championship. Uh, he hadn't won, you know, races in chunks and really been dominant. You know, you'd seen you'd seen streaks where they would do well. Um, obviously, it seemed like you know that you just they just had that that great chemistry and and the great connection right away. Once he goes to Seward Haas Racing and te- teams up with Rodney Childers. Um, and it, it just sort of has made this magical partnership, uh, that has been really successful and, you know, now, um, not to tip our hand too much, but we've been looking at, you know, the, 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 the best drivers in NASCAR history lately for a project we're working on. Right. And when you look at everything and where, where does Harvick stack up? Um, I think no question he's a top 15 driver of all time. And the only debate is whether he cracks that top 10. Um, you know, personally, I, I had made a list recently. I have him at number 11. Um, but right there, I mean, right there with, you know, once you're talking about the, you know, the top 11 drivers in NASCAR history, uh, that's an all time. Great. You know, I, I think, uh, surely, you know, had had he been able to win another championship or two that would have helped. Uh, he does have those 60 career cup wins and a lot of big wins, like you mentioned, um, so, you know, his legacy is going to be a guy who, you know, came in, in in really tough circumstances, obviously, um, had plenty of missteps in the public eye, you know, or, or, or sort of brash, uh, rough around the edges type mentality. Um, you know, there were some great moments. There was not so great moments. I mean, people I'm sure will say, oh, you know, the Talladega thing with Trevor Bain, stuff like that. But I mean, at the same time, like, Ultimately, he's gonna go down as an all-time character. I think this this leadership role that he's taken on in recent years is helping to truly shape this current generation of drivers and this next generation yeah. of drivers. Because so you listen to how many drivers talk about, oh, Harvick helps me with this. I go talk to Harvick for this. Well, I go, you know, you know, Chase Briscoe, Corey LaJoy, people like that. They and and it seems like every driver, um, you know, oh yeah, I, I've talked to Harvick. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with Harvick. Like we talk a little bit. It seems like he's taken an interest on like sort of shaping and molding the garage a little bit, and you know, making sure that the next generation is going to have you know the right mentality, or at least what he perceives to be the right mentality. And so, you know, I think I think especially in his his absence, others will step up ultimately. Maybe it take a few years, but I mean, you you could see last year like. Guys like Chase Elliott and Blaney are looking at what Harvick was doing and going, huh, interesting. You know, we don't, we're not really super outspoken, but we really appreciate how he's going about things. And so when Mm -hmm. the time comes for them to be sort of veteran guys, I could see them going, you know what, we're, we're going to, we're going to do that kind of stuff when the time is right. To me,
1: I think you make a good point. And it's interesting how, I don't want to say it flipped, but Kevin for a long time was not, he, he was always outspoken and would never be afraid to speak his opinion, but he really wasn't somebody who took on a leadership role. Like that wasn't his thing. And he, and he kind of said that over the years of like, I don't really associate with a lot of drivers outside of the track. Like I just do my thing. I've got my own interest. I got my family. I, I don't really care. And this year, I think it goes back to last year a little bit. He, he realized that you know like i I need to i need to kind of leave my impact here i can have a voice on things there's there's a gap here there's something that's not happening between there's a disconnect between nascar and the drivers and everything that's going on i i'm feeling it's like almost like he was the only one who could fill that role right adequately and he took it upon himself to do it and he did it in a great way and he you know he said this multiple times this year and he most recently said it in december uh when he spoke which was like by doing that, he learned a lot about other drivers, and he developed relationships and things that he didn't know. And he's like, "Man, like, it just kind of opened up his eyes in his world a little bit to to what was going on." And the conversation I had with Steve Phelps, or, you know, not too long ago, and I asked Steve what you know who, who was really the the driver this year that kind of resonated with you most. That conversation, and he he you know hesitated, he, he paused for a second, and he thought about it. He's like, "Kevin Harvick." He goes, I just had a really impactful conversation with Kevin Harvick in the fall, kind of around the Talladega time and everything. And he goes, what Kevin said to me from the kind of the larger viewpoint of what the drivers were feeling kind of resonated with him and kind of helped him. Like, And you wonder who's going to be that voice now. Like, maybe it is going to be a chase, but it doesn't seem like it because Chase Chase has spoken up a little bit more this year. But Chase is still has also said, like, that's not something that interests him. And maybe it is a Blaney. We've seen a little bit from Larson, a little bit. William.
0: I think it's Byron. really Logano. Logano. I, mean, I think Logano, too. Logano, yeah. for sure. He really wants to step up and be that leader. I mean, all, you know, but the thing is, he doesn't have, he does have the, you know, two championships now, but he doesn't have, like, the veteran sort of old guy presence where uh, he's still in the prime of his career. He's still, you know, considered relatively young. Uh, you know, he's still got a lot of years left. So I think... You know, Truex has never been interested in sort of being no. that you know kind of thing, and so that's why I think Harvick. You know, between the Harvick Truex type of the, like the two oldest guys, um, obviously Hamlin has been more outspoken for sure, much more outspoken um, since he became a team owner, and you know I think it would be natural for him. You know, as he plays out the the remainder of his career, to even get more of a platform, more of a voice without Harvick there. You know, just be like, well, what does Denny think about this? Denny's been around you know, the longest. Um and then it depends, you know, how much Kyle Bush wants to do with it. But um, you know, Keselowski has seemed to be more diplomatic about things. You know, he doesn't really want to be that brash opinionated he's person tried. that he was. <laughs> yeah. Um He
1: almost feels like he's scarred almost. Like he's tried it and it didn't
0: work. And he's, he's just not interested mem- in making the controversies, you know. Yeah. Um, he's he's in, at a different point in his life and career now. Yeah. So I, I think it does um, you know, Logano, um, Hamlin and it depends how much Kyle Bush You know, in the final years of his career, once he gets to that point, Uh, you know, because, uh, you know, Harvick has said, you know, I asked him for the 12 questions last year, the interview we're doing and, you know, why, you know, what, why was the right time I was, you know, and there was a big part about like, well, I felt like I had to do it for my peers and stuff, but also like, you know, his given F uh, at this point in his career, <laughs> he, he was like he doesn't care. He doesn't yeah. care. Like he'll say whatever he feels, you know, he doesn't have, isn't it? Well, I got to navigate this for 10 more years and I'm gonna have to deal yeah. with all these people. He's not like, a
1: team owner. He's not going to be somebody who's around for, you know, dealing with that for however long.
0: Yeah. And he's probably going to go to the broadcast booth and be even have to be given his opinion even <laughs> more and stuff. So, um, might as well get used to giving your opinion, I guess. But, uh, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think, I I think that his legacy will go down as as sort of the, um, you know, maybe like a I don't, is it fair to like is Rusty Wallace a good comparison of like a guy who was really really good, you know, generational type talent, um, you know, he's won more big races than Rusty, obviously, but um, you know, sort of like that figure, like when you look back on, okay, you know, the two thousands, like Kevin Harvick's going to be one of those prime guys I think of. Uh, I don't know, what is. who would you compare him to from the past? I don't past?
1: know. Right, so you bring up Rusty Wallace, and, and uh, apologies to our friend Alan Kavana, because I always give him a hard time about this, but, like, Rusty, to me, is one of the more overrated NASCAR Cup drivers of his career because he's never – he won very few big races, and a lot of his races came on, like, a few very few select short tracks. But uh, to your point, like, I, I, it's interesting to see, like – how you define harvick because it's like he's not the driver of his generation right i mean that that distinction belongs to jimmy johnson and but i look at his career and and part of me wonders and obviously that you when I mean, you look at championships harvick won one you can make a case he probably should have won a couple more especially in the last few years with shr since he's been at shr like they should probably have two or three and it's just for you know a lot of different reasons it didn't happen is his career better than Tony Stewart's? Like, I know Tony's got three cup championships, right? But Harvick's got 11 more cup wins. At least he's got more big race wins than, than Tony does. Like, how do you, you know, what, how do you, how do you divide that? Or how do you distinguish between that?
0: Now I have Tony Stewart ahead of Harvick, um, you know, on my list anyway. Um, I think three championships is pretty significant compared to one championship. Even, even though there are 11 cup wins between them. um, Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, that that's a big, that's a pretty, if it was maybe two championships versus one. Okay. But like Tony Stewart was one of the top drivers of his generation. um, And, and it feels like um, he, you know, if he had applied himself more, uh, he could have won more. Now that's not a fair thing to do in evaluating somebody's career. But when you're looking at pure talent, Tony Stewart was one of the all-time talented race car drivers.
1: You make a really good point, though. Like, I don't think Harvick gets enough credit for doing what he's doing for as long as he's done it. Like, I mean, he's 47 years old, and he's still competitive. Won two races this past year. I mean, two years ago, you know, he or three years ago, he had one of the more dominant, you know, seasons in NASCAR history. It's like, he's done, I mean, everybody every year, like, kind of was like, oh, Kevin's going to, you know, Kevin's old. Kevin, this is going to be the year Kevin falls off a cliff because he's old. Like he didn't do that. Like his last 10 years with Stuart Haas racing were his best. And it's, it's incredible that he's been able to keep that up for as long as he has. It's, it's very Mark Martin esque in that respect.
0: Now I have a question for you because this is something that I heard on Nate Ryan's um, NASCAR and NBC podcast last year. Um And the discussion was about Truex, and I, I believe it was Kyle Petty when he was guesting on the podcast. And he said, you know, once once somebody and and really Kyle Petty reiterated this book, which by the way, uh, fantastic book for those of you who have not read Kyle Petty's book, really really good. Um, not just it's not just about Kyle Petty, but really about you know NASCAR history in general in a way. Um, and and he just sort of weaves through it like he's anyway. I got sidetracked, but good book. <laughs> it's a uh, good book. Check it yes, out. Yes, read yes, it. Check it out. So Kyle Petty was saying, you know, once somebody once you have a driver talking about retirement. Uh, And having retirement on their mind and thinking about retirement, like, I don't know, maybe I'll come back for one more year. Kyle Petty says that person is like done essentially. Like they can't, they can never, uh, they won't have the same level of success because that shows that they're, you like, you have to be the mentality to, to take chances on a racetrack and go hard and stuff. Like it takes like, you, you can't even be thinking about that. And so when he was talking about Truex last year, he was thinking, Hey, you know, it's not good that he was saying, Hey, I almost came, I almost retired or almost made this my last year, but then I'll come back for one more year. So I wonder if like Harvick, because Harvick's comment was, I I wanted to originally do the Carl Edwards thing and do a mic drop and just be like, Hey, I'm done. Like after this last season. Yeah. So if he was ready to be done and then he thought, well, you know, I'll come back for my sponsors and the fans and do a proper retirement tour. You know, he's a, you know, he has a unique mindset. So, you know, you never know what to get from him, but does that mean that he's not going to have the same edge to go run for a championship this year? I mean, is that going to, I mean, he, he's getting pretty up there now in age. I don't know. What do you think? I think there's some truth in that of like,
1: it starts to creep in your mind a little bit and maybe your focus isn't a hundred 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 percent on winning in the championship and that you're kind of starting to wonder a little bit about the future and other things so I, I could see that and that maybe takes away from your your performance on the racetrack a little bit i think there's some truth in that i i've learned that you don't doubt Har- harvick's commitment <laughs> it seems like he's somebody who's always been all in and and, and when he's on and when he's on the racetrack like that's what he wants to do and he's very very i mean everybody wants to win and everybody is very um competitive but I think his level of competitiveness is a, as a at as a different level than most so I, I wouldn't completely dismiss him I think he's gonna have a good year but is that good year gonna be like one of the all you know a dominant multi-win season
0: I think it would be rewarding to uh see him make the final four and at least run for the title um <laughs> especially be good. Phoenix, um you know where he's been he's won nine times. And he has the top ten record streak and all that stuff. Uh, that would be very intriguing. With all this uh, <laughs> last race, going for the title at a, at his best track. Um, what do you think his level of
1: uh, what it, what we like, say give a give a F would be at? I would be like just. I mean, he would just he would care about nothing about. Turning somebody, bumping somebody. Oh, just like the
0: mind games too that he would play that week. Like press conference
1: would be alone would be worth the price of admission. Like NASCAR might have to
0: bring the back the all four on stage. I was just
1: gonna say NASCAR, if you're listening to this, um, if Kevin Harvick makes it to the championship right now, it's like this is the official petition to put all four drivers on the stage at once and just give them an open mic.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. (laughs) The Kevin Harvick show. That's what it would be. That would be really, really fun uh just to just to see what would happen, you know. Now uh, you know, what does SHR do now? You know, they've they've missed out on Kyle Larson. They missed out on Kyle Bush, even though it seems like, you know, had they I guess in the Larson case, had they gotten permission from Ford. Uh yeah, that was a Ford deal. Right. And then, you know, the Kyle Bush saying, I don't know if they just couldn't put it together or whatever. Um, but certainly had chances at two great drivers. You know, you've you've moved Ryan Preece up to replace Cole Custer. You've got Almirola on his way out shortly. Um, Chase Briscoe seems like he's going to be a solid guy and be around for a while and uh, continue to get better. But Harvick is a pretty big name to replace. That's a star, a leader. Um, I, I mean, what do you? Who do you go get? Who do you? Who's out there? That's the problem, right? I mean, if you look at it, Ryan Blaney, Kyle
1: Larson, Eric Jones, William Byron, and Logano have all recently signed contract extensions. So they're not going anywhere. Their contracts were all coming up at, at the end of them, but now they're all staying where they're at. Plus, Tyler Reddick, who was coming up for free agency, already has been signed away by 2311. He's not going anywhere. Those are all guys who I think we would say like, oh man, if SHR got one of those, like, okay, that's a good, solid replace. You did really good. Like, right. In some cases, maybe even made a step up in like, you know, I don't know what you do because if you look at other organizations, look at Hendrick Motorsports right now, you got two champions in Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, right? I think we agree that William Byron has the potential to kind of enter that and kind of take it to a next level. You look at Joe Gibbs Racing, Martin Truex Jr. is still really, really good. Denny Hamlin is still really good. Um, Ty Gibbs has got a ton of upside. And oh, by the way, Christopher Bell made, only made the championship four last year and is is really young. Um, Team Penske's got Logano and, and Blaney. So my, my point is, if you look at all of these big teams, they all kind of have their franchise players, our players to build around. Who does SHR have? Now, I think Briscoe can do great things, but he's still really young. And even if that chase becomes that guy that you think we think he can be, they still need another guy that that can become, that can win races that you know is going to win races every year that you know is going to be a championship threat. I I don't see a pathway for them to go. Who are they going to go get? I I, I reached out to a lot of people in the industry this week. um, And you're going to see this on the athletic this week about hypothetically, if you were in charge of SHR, who would you go get? The three names I've heard the most, um, you can probably guess two of them. One is Ross Chastain, whose contract is up with Trackhouse Racing, though I would personally be shocked if Trackhouse let him get away. Um, The second one is Eric Jones, which doesn't surprise me, though Eric does have years left on his contract with, I guess, Legacy now, which is going to take some getting used to say. (laughs) Um, But, you know, as you know, like, buyouts can happen, and – and that, you know, we'll see, but I will say this, like SHRs had the opportunity to go get Jones and they've passed multiple times. Um, and is that, I think Eric would do great things over there and win a lot of races, um, but there's always the question about sponsorship, stuff like that. Uh, and the third name was a little surprising, but a couple people did mention this was John Hunter and in that he's got talent. He's somebody who is aggressive, who really wants to prove himself. And if you look at right now, guys that are out there, he's kind of available and he he would be a great stopgap until you can kind of figure out what you want to do long term
0: you know it's obviously chastain is the the biggest name um among the ones you you mentioned there and and the thing about chastain is knowing him and listening to what he says you know in interviews and whatever he is so grateful to Justin Marks and Trackhouse for even giving believing him him believing in him enough to get him to this point, right? If if SHR's pitches we're going to give you more money than Trackhouse can give you, say, we're going to up this or something, right? Is that what he's I mean, it's he's still getting probably a lot of money either way. He's going to get a raise either way. So is that you know to chase the money? Like, would that is that enough? I mean, the other thing that they could offer: we're going to give you you could, you could be like our franchise guy. Well, he already is a franchise guy. He's a franchise guy, yeah. At an up and coming team, a team on the rise, a team that has a great culture. He's already a great fit there. Mm-hmm. So, if you're happy somewhere and you're having success somewhere, assuming that they start the season well and everything's still going well, I don't think that the motivation would be there to leave. I just, that, that would be a very puzzling move to me. Um, I mean, somebody could always have their reasons, but it would just seem odd. Like, why would, why would he do that? So yeah, you're not left with some very big players and, um, you know, at least, you know, marquee names, superstar names. And, you know, the, I think that could be an issue, honestly, because mm-hmm. then you get into a position where, okay, Harvick was bringing a lot of sponsorship, right? Like he had built yeah, relationships that, with these sponsors over the years that were and really- That's the
1: unknown about all of this too, by the way, is like, we don't know about Bush. We don't know about Hunt Brothers. Like, are they going to stick around and continue to be? If they leave hypothetically, SHR's, you know, kind of their, their business is like, they tend to take drivers right now with sponsorship money,
0: right? Exactly. You're going to have to take a money driver. Yeah. If you do that.
1: And, yeah. Like, and, or you're going to have to figure out a way to go get a sponsor, which they may not be able to do, even if you have Tony Stewart on there. And then, then what? I, it's just, I'm fascinated to see what they go. I think this is one of the more curious free agent openings we've had in, in some time where there really isn't like one or two guys you could say, oh, that makes a lot of sense because those guys are all under contract right now.
0: Well, I mean, here's the thing like, you know, Josh Jones, Harvick's guy, uh, his manager, uh, KHI, you know, they, they have a client, they have a team uh, of drivers, right? Like who are, who are their clients? And so in theory, you could go to your sponsors and you would say, well, listen, let's, let's, Hey, let's redirect this money that that you were using for Harvick. You know, probably not even need to spend as much because it's a lower salary driver compared to a star like him. Um, Hey, let's get behind this guy and then we can have a package and go and we can get you the four car. We can do this for you kind of thing. Right? So, um, you know, I, I think they, cause they, you know, you could see KHI over the years have really good relationship with their sponsors and like the sponsors like to stick around with them and they go all across, you know, it's like, oh, okay, we'll do your MMA guy. We'll do your golf mm-hmm. guy. So there's like a, a network there. And in some ways I think that could be SHR almost has to wait and see what KHI comes them with in, in a way. Right. Like, cause that's a lot of money and, and a lot of, uh, so in, in a way, Harvick and his company, at least, could almost handpick his success. Here's a question for you, though.
1: So, there's two other, there's three guys in the KHI umbrella right now in Cup. Ryan Priest, who's already under contract SHR. The other two are Harrison Burton and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe Riley Herbst, the Xfinity Series driver, is also a KHI guy. Like any of those guys, excite you though? Like if you're SHR, like that that don't move the needle
0: maybe that's a time to sign uh, somebody else and add them to your driver roster. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's your only path. Like if you put Stenhouse in that car and Stenhouse had conversations with SHR last year about the 41 and it didn't materialize. And he just signed a contract, multi-year contract extension with JTG. Like that's not, that's a, that's a huge, that's obviously anybody, not everybody, but a lot of the guys you're going to get are going to be a drop off from Harvick. Stenhouse is a pretty big drop off. Like and there's nothing about Sten- Ricky Stenhouse's career that says like this is a guy that can go and win races on the regular and be a playoff guy. Like that's not him.
0: Well, I mean, Stenhouse is always going to be a guy that pushes it and if he has a great car, he can certainly run up front, but if he doesn't have a great car a lot of times he, you know, finds himself making a mistake perhaps and um yeah, I mean, you have to you have to be prepared for that, right? Like, you have to be like, okay, well, if, if we give him good stuff, we've got a shot here to win some races. Um, if not, he might tear up some stuff. So that's going to, you know, that that's a calculation you have to make, I think. this. Sp- yeah. I think he has speed when the speed's there. Um, I don't know that he's the best sort of manager of a car that's not as good, and he's got to make, you know, do something with it in a long race. Maybe,
1: You're but. the president of SHR. Congratulations. Your first day is tomorrow. Who are you going to put in that four car?
0: Who are you going after? Um, I think that the answer would be, um, I'm going to try to find my own Chastain type guy. Mm. Um, now I don't know. I mean, you, you're if I'm the president of SHR, I have to sell this to Gene Haas, and I have to sell him on it and get people excited about it. So this is a different, you know, but I would look at, at someone who I would, you know, I I would go like kind of comb through and be like, Hey, like who, who takes care of equipment? Who's who, you know, we are somebody we look at and say, if only they had a chance to get in faster stuff, I bet they could prove themselves. Um, you know, there's, there's some diamonds in the rough out there in a sport that is maybe, you know, 80% car, 20% driver. Right. So um, yeah, I, am not sure. I, I don't have a name off the top of my head, but it would be someone like that where, man, if I, if I gave this guy good stuff, I wonder what kind of results I could get.
1: What about Michael McDowell? That's another name that's been kind of floated too. is a guy who, if you put him in that car, he is showing that he, he's a very good driver and, and kind of fits the criteria you laid out, Jeff, uh, maybe a little bit diamond in the rough where he, he runs well at a variety of tracks, but he's not with a team that where he can consistently show it. And maybe if he was with a team like SHR, he he could kind of, you know, he could produce at a higher level.
0: Yeah. I just think in the conversation, we've kind of been going around like he's not a star and he's never going to be a superstar. Right. I mean, he's, he just turned 38. Um, You know, SHR has gotten themselves in this situation because they haven't necessarily like built uh with young drivers because um, Cole Custer, at least for now has been sidelined, um, you know, in the Xfinity series uh, you know, you're banking a lot on chase Briscoe. I, I would want to get somebody in there. Who's maybe in their twenties who has a high upside. I mean, I think Michael McDowell, I think, yeah, he could run well and win races for a couple years. years. Um, I think he's a very capable driver. I don't discount that at all, but is that going to get people excited enough to not have to get somebody that brings money? I don't know. I don't know. Very interesting conversation. It's going to be fun to see what happens there in that storyline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as job. simple you know as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, another storyline, and we don't have to talk too much about this one, but just, you know, you mentioned the, the name change legacy. Petty GMS, uh, at least the cup side, rebranded to... Legacy Motor Club. Um, no petty in the name. And uh so that's you know, Jimmy Johnson and Maury Gallagher, I guess, and they're really emphasizing that Richard Petty is just an ambassador now, not co owner. They're not calling him co owner. Um, kind of thing. Now that his name's out of it, I mean, I guess he was never really—he was always ambassador, right? But now it's people always were would still call him oh co-owner. I think that's what that he's kind of referred yeah. to.
1: Minority owner, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now it's just like he's our—he's kind of like associated with our team. He's an ambassador, but you know, he's not—he's not one of the owners. It's—it's it's how it came across to me. It's
1: an interesting distinction that has kind of been overlooked a little bit in, in all of this. Is the labeling of petty, as you said, like they know they've kind of removed the ownership label from him
0: it it seemed that way and I'd have to go back and see how how he was referred to before but um, yeah I mean I saw this news come across on a break from jury duty and it was a uh, let me let me try to put the situation for you here Um, because I don't want to just say like I don't want just uh, I'm trying to have this come across the right way when I tell you that I laughed at the name It was a very serious uh, day that was going on with a lot of harsh testimony. And so you come out and you look at your phone and you see that, you know, Legacy Motor Club is the new name. And it was just almost like a light, uh, you know, it it seemed so light in in a relief of tension that I like laughed. I was like, what? (laughs) Legacy Motor Club? Now, I'm not saying it's a bad name. It's just like so like, what? What is this? Motor Club? Um, I, I I just I I just it I don't get it. I don't get the club part. That's what's really I'm really hung up on the club part. I've been hung up on it ever since, like legacy racing, legacy motorsports. Okay, See, I go the opposite way. You're like I'm I
1: I I am that is the part of this I actually. I am more open. I like that teams are getting away from the racing and motorsports part of it. Like trackhouse is kind of getting away from trackhouse racing. It's just track house. Right. And I, I like that they're kind of doing something different and it's not just the typical thing that we always see a little bit. I, I like you though. The name definitely caught me off, off guard a little bit, but I've, I've warmed up to it though more.
0: Nah, I, I'm, I'm, I need to get there, I guess. Cause legacy motor club, it just sounds like one of those, um, You know, those like private tracks, like the thermal club in Palm Springs where IndyCar is going to have their preseason testing or whatever. Right. It sounds like uh, a a private track where like rich people can go test their fancy sports cars Um, or legacy motor club. I mean, it sounds like, you know, auto club of Southern California or whatever. Like, (laughs) um, you know, it's like you can sign up and they'll give you roadside assistance or something. I, I just because I haven't heard of any other I don't know of any other race teams around motorsports that are called club. What? How do you get in the club? Like who's in the club? Is there apparently members? you got to be seven time
1: champion to be in the club?
0: <laughs> but Richard Petty's not uh, right. I mean he's. Well, Richard Petty's a seven time champion. I know that, but he's not in the club. He's, he's the ambassador now. He's. Uh, Maury Gallagher's not a seven time champion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you write the, when you foot the bill, you can be part of club. You, you can be in the club. Well, that's what I'm saying. So how do you get into the club?
1: That's, I don't know. Um,
0: anyway, like I, I get, I get it. I get that where they were going for. I just, it would just, it the club part is, I think I'm just going to refer to it much of the year as like legacy. I think uh,
1: that's probably what the people, most people are going to refer to it as. our legacy MC. It's, yeah,
0: no, it's, no, yeah. no, no, no. Okay. That is no, no, I'm not, I will not be sorry. Yeah. So yeah, I think you know legacy MC is really running well. No. All right. I am I, making it right one. now because from here
1: on out on every podcast I'm going to refer to them as legacy MC just to get a reaction. And you get the reaction right there as he smiles and rolls his eyes and throws his head back.
0: Thank you. What, where? What other initial? What other team do you say? Uh, like you, you refer to them as their their initials. Um, I mean, except unless you're using full initials like RFK, SHR, JGR, you don't go like. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't even have an example. When I but.
1: when when two te- when a team has two seven-time champions underneath its umbrella, like Legacy MC does, you know, when you've got a Jimmy Johnson and a, and a Richard Petty, you know what? Legacy MC, embrace it.
0: Okay, so are you going to embrace? A, it. I'm going to get you a hat. Are you going to embrace the all caps spelling of legacy even if it doesn't stand for anything? I am not
1: going. Journalistically, we just can't. I mean, we've got a very specific, you know, New York Times style guide that we must follow, so we can't do that.
0: Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just said that you're going to respect Legacy MC's uh, yeah, style and everything.
1: I also respect my my paycheck and my bosses, so
0: <laughs> Well, I'm going to have I'm going to be campaigning with our editor to have the style guide reflect legacy on second reference not legacy mc. So, feel free to write legacy mc. I'm just going with legacy. Oh, my goodness. Uh all right. Well, uh Kyle Larson as you mentioned earlier is running the Indy 500. Uh now he'd been t- every time you ask him about it, uh as recently as pretty late in the season he rolls his eyes and says, Ugh, I'm working on something, you know, or, you know, I'd like to do it. You know, if the right opportunity, blah, blah, I don't think it'd be for next year. Well, it wasn't next year. It's 2024. So he's already got that, uh, or this year anyway. Um, he, you know, it's, it's a year and a half in advance essentially. Um, but they're getting a good program lined up and, um, you know, he, he's, he's Larson is, would only be interested in something like this and that's that was always the rub like if he could go win like he's not just going to be like oh yeah i did the double like he he believes he can win and wants to go win um i wouldn't doubt him honestly like with his level of talent um he has an open wheel background all those dirt cars are open wheel cars that's where the historic pipeline went to indycar not nascar from dirt racing you know um so You know, I, I, I think it could be very, it's going to be a great storyline to see. And to me, the more Indy, the Indy 500 can get like, uh, even though, even if they're not going to, um, you know, like Fernando Alonso, uh, you know, maybe he's not going to win the race. Right. Um, but like the intrigue of him being in it, Jimmy Johnson, a lot of intrigue there. It helps the storyline, helps get eyeballs. Um, and the more talent and from all, Sorts of racing, uh, the more talented guys that you can get there. Um, you know, I think it, it just adds credibility to the field. And you go, wow, we've got Formula One drivers here. We've got NASCAR drivers here. We've got the best of IndyCar, uh, you know, really elite group. Uh, it just adds to the intrigue and the prestige of what I think is the greatest race in the world. So it's cool to see that Larson's going to get a chance to try it. I wish Kyle Busch would also get a chance. It'd be cool to see Kyle Busch and Larson in the same race, both trying the Indy 500. Maybe maybe there's still time, um, but yeah, pretty pretty exciting there. I think
1: I echo your comments. I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great thing for racing because I, I I do firmly believe in the you know high tide raises all ships and more attention on the Indy 500 is good for motorsports across the board. When you bring in different drivers from different disciplines, it, it feels special. It feels like that race matters. I think it's a great thing. I think Kyle's got a great opportunity there. I know it's much different the the competitiveness at the indy 500 is much different different than it was in 2014 but it's still kurt bush showed up with no background in an indy car and finished sixth and did a really great job there's no reason to think that kyle larson can't show up and, and winning the race seems high in the sky but he's a generational talent right like you don't know and jimmy johnson had a really good effort this year fernando alonso and again fernando's an incredible elite talent, but Kyle Larson's pretty damn good himself. Fernando Alonso showed up in, in 17 and, and maybe it was an engine failure away from winning that race. And so, and I, I like the fact that this is a long way out, like the runway to get to ramp up for 24 it is so far out. You know, you can do testing. You're going to have a lot of time to get the sim. You know, you can do familiarity with the car and the team. And this isn't a thing where you only have a few months to get up to speed and you kind of it's kind of a cram session. This is an opportunity where you can kind of build up a little bit. I think that's only going to help. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
0: Yeah, well, speaking of Larson, um, on another note, I I did want to get your thoughts um, on the chili bowl that just concluded last night as we record this Logan CV, is it over? I don't know. It started so <laughs> late. Good Lord. Like seriously. Well, here's the problem. I mean, they, you know, you, you start in the morning on Saturday yep. morning with, you know, the end mains or whatever it is, and you work your way up. Um, they have to redo that track. I mean, after the B mains, the the track is not good enough to have a 55 lap, a main. Um, and I guess it, you know, I, I unfortunately fell asleep too, but, um, according to the comments afterwards, it still ended up uh, being kind of a one lane race, a one lane track. Uh, it, you know, when it, when it takes rubber like that, um, that's just how it is. Um, you know, and and to do it right, you're going to have to have at least an hour break or whatever. And, um, you know, yeah. So it ends up, you know, starting after midnight or whatever, East coast time, uh, for a big event you're trying to build up, um, it's tough. I mean, I, you know, they, they've, they started now on Mondays. So you have all these days of prelims, prelim nights, and you build up to this great big event. You're trying to get almost sort of a casual dirt fan, you know, this year, the whole thing's on flow. That's great. Um, because I think even more NASCAR fans trying to get flow for the short track stuff. I just renewed mine for. 150, whatever dollars it is a year. Um, so I, you know, you have the subscription, you know, you're like, okay, let's, let's watch the chili bowl. But it's like, man, it's so, it's so late. Um, but I, I just don't know how, what you, what you do about it. Um, because you, you've, that's, that's dirt racing. You've got to rework the track and especially for such a long race. But I I will say though that, you know, I brought up Larson because he and and, uh, Christopher Bell, uh, who had hogged many of the chili bowl titles over the last in recent years, um, you know, they, they weren't there this year. They, they sat out. Um, they said, you know, uh, really unhappy with, you know, pretty much a week long race to win 10,000 bucks. You've got sprint car races now winning, paying $1 million just to win. Uh, you know, you've got a packed house, you know, all this stuff. They, they make plenty of money off it. Chili bowl says, ah, you know, and, and there was sort of the storyline throughout the week. Wow. who, who. We didn't need him here. But to me, as a, as sort of a more casual Mm -hmm. dirt fan and an outsider dirt fan, Mm -hmm. you know, I've covered it three times. I've covered Knoxville Nationals, things like that. But like, there was definitely reduced interest for me without Larson Bell there to me. You want
1: the best of the best. You want the best of the best to be there. You want the guys who are recognized as some of the best dirt track racers in the world. And that is what Bell and Larson are to be there and, and to measure yourself against. And this is, this is a marquee event, but when you don't bring in when you don't have the marquee talent coming in. And I and I don't disagree with their 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 stance on this. I, I'm I support that. I mean ten thousand dollars to win considering the number of entries they have the, the money that is flowing in to this event, there needs to be a better divide of the pie. A streaming um, deal. I mean streaming deal like everything. And, and I'm not I'm all I'm not saying I, I just think there's a more equitable way to do this. Um to go back to your point about the the, the, the logistics to me at this point with the number of entries they had, I mean, they were having a P, you know, they started the soup at P this year, right? Like, why can't you have, why can't you do the ABC mains on a Sunday? Like have Saturday be kind of Saturday still, and then have the, the three big main events or, you know, kind of the three big, the two big prelims, and then the main event have that on a Sunday. And I know it kicks it out another day, but at this point, you have, I don't know another choice you have unless you started on Friday, which I guess that's an option. But I still think you're going to run into the problem you have. You still get like, the track ready and everything else. Like, this is not the first year where this event is started so late. Like, give this, give the event the proper due. Everything about this race is great the build up, the hype, the excitement all week long. It's like a celebration, it's the kickoff to motorsports of the year. And then Oh, by the way, we don't start the, the main event that people really care about until 1 a.m. Eastern time. You can't have that. That's that's ridiculous.
0: Well, and it's 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 sort of ironic, too, that now you see NASCAR has like really gotten behind it and embraced it. Like sure. NASCAR Social was there documenting how their drivers were doing. Um, and just a few years ago, NASCAR got very upset when Larson said, hey, like w- when he hadn't won this race yet, this, you know, to win this race to me would be bigger than the Daytona 500 because it was a race he grew up going to and, and stuff like that. So personally he was saying it would be big N- NASCAR got so upset. You didn't really see much NASCAR support behind it. Now NASCAR's like, Hey, check out the chili bowl. Like, whoa, look at this. We've got drivers in it and their two biggest drivers, uh, who would be participating in it are, are not involved. So, um, Yeah, it's just kind of the the timing of it. I I really think the Chili Bowl would be great with a... I don't know about Sunday because they've already expanded it to Monday to reduce the the length of the prelims each night. You know, they tried to take some heat off. You know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're getting so crowded with the number of entries. So they said, let's add an extra night so that we're not running as many cars each night. Uh, Maybe we can get out of here closer to 1030 or whatever. But... You know, now it's like, I mean, if you had Sunday on top of that too, just for the mains or the, the big mains, uh, that's, a, I mean, that is seven days of racing. I mean, that's,
1: I don't disagree, but I, I don't know. You've got to I raise the know. purse then because, yeah, I mean. yeah like I just, I, I get all that and I, and you, you have to raise the purse. You should raise the purse regardless. Uh, I, I just don't see a sensible solution to this because, it is now so jam-packed on, on Saturday, where if you continue to get more entries and the entry list continues to grow, like <laughs> you know, you're, you're not gonna you're gonna get to a point here very, very soon where you're not, you're gonna have to make some really hard decisions. You either got to move it to Friday, move some stuff to Friday, and you still got a really, really long day on Saturday, and the track for the main event is probably still not gonna be in great shape. Or you divide it up and, and try to make Sunday like the big blowout. Like, hey, and I think you can sell that to a more casual fan of like, hey. You don't want to invest all your time on a Saturday. You you can tune in on Sunday and you're going to get three great races, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice too, if they could really sell it um, and be like, Hey, um, you know, we're, we're going to like, let's say they did Sunday. Of course your Sunday, you're going to go up against NFL playoff games. Now you are on Saturdays. You're going, you're
1: going on Saturday night though too.
0: Yeah. Um, but like if you could say, okay, Hey, we're going to do this, um, Sunday night at 7 PM and we will mm-hmm. rework the track. You're, you'll just be able to tune in and that's what I'm see saying. Yes, exactly.
1: But, like, you yeah. know, like we're going to, the green flag is going to fly at 7 PM. Cause we're going to have, we, we're going to time this out and instead of this. Oh, it might start now tune in like kind of mill about crap.
0: Like it's just not good because to me, midget racing is thrilling. Um, as a sprint car 100%. racing, but if you, people mostly don't, you know, you're not going to, go buy a huge subscription package. If you're not into, into it, right? Like you have to be sort of committed already to it, but if you don't know about it, you're like, ah, it looks cool, but I could probably catch the highlights on Twitter. Like, you know, I don't need to watch it live cause I'm not as much of a huge dirt racing fan. But if you, if you made the main event more accessible for people and said, Hey, like this is what time it's going to start. Here's how to buy it, whatever, like do a one-off, I don't know, make even more money. Um, And, or, you know, sell it, sell that to, you know, a a bigger broadcaster than just Mav TV or or something. Um, and just say, Hey, like this is where it's going to be. And maybe you, maybe you make, you create more dirt fans that way who are, Mm -hmm. who will then come back to your other races that you have. They have races all the time on the streaming service. So, Oh, wow. this is pretty cool. I check this out. Really? It's, Mm -hmm. it's like every week and you know, many nights of the week and in some case in the summer. So, okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We got ideas. Chili bowl promoters should call us. Well, no, yeah, boy. but see, the thing is, they don't want to hear
1: that. So No, they don't want to hear it. And I, and I think that's part of the problem. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm a chili bowl expert or a dirt expert, but I, I've talked to people about this a little bit. Like, This event has grown to such a level, it almost feels like the promoters are kind of struggling to kind of keep their hands around it a little bit and still have this idea of, hey, this is kind of a mom and pop race kind of feel where it's like, it's gone beyond that. <laughs>
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, bookending the sort of, uh, news of the week in terms of stories that you broke. Another one was Travis Pastrana will run the Daytona 500 for 2311 racing. 2311, uh, had posted a teaser by the way. And, uh, it was the back of somebody's head and it, it I think it, if I it, maybe it didn't get Carl Edwards trending for everybody, but it got to Carl Edwards trending on Twitter, at least that I saw, on like the for you type stuff, because people said, "Is that Carl Edwards' head? Is that the back of Carl Edwards' head?" <laughs> it was not. It was Travis Pastrana's head. A little bit random. Um, although you had, you know, you had talked to him um, a couple weeks back, and uh, you were another another story. You did not need the teaser for this. Uh, no, that you were you were on top we of it.
1: We were we had this ready to go um, for a while now. Um, I think you had heard about it maybe two or something. I don't know. This had you know people in the industry were talking a little bit about this, and wasn't I was surprised. I think it's cool. It kind of goes back to what we said about Indy in some ways. I, I think it's cool that Daytona is bringing in or it's going to have different guys, and I think the dual the dual qualifier races this year are going to be tremendous. Like too often those races just kind of they they've kind of lost their mystique and the drama. I think this year when you've got a Jimmy Johnson and you've got Um, uh, a Travis Pastrana, and you you look at some of the the entry list. Like it's going to be pretty stacked, and there's going to be it's going to be competitive. And I'm hearing a couple things about some other teams that may be doing, you know, one offs or anything like that. I think that's cool. And Pastrana, you know, he's this isn't completely new. I mean, he's ran a full season Xfinity. He's ran some truck races. Um, there, there, they may not just be a Daytona component in this. Um, there may, and I've heard that there may be a few other races, you know, um, at possibly this year. And that's good. Like you're talking about somebody who brings in a lot of attention, for, uh, from a demographic, a fan who maybe doesn't necessarily pay attention to NASCAR. You want to get more eyeballs in your sport. This is certainly a good way to do
0: it. Man. I remember, I, I just wish that it would have worked out for him, you know, the first time you know he he wanted to do like a full-time nascar career i remember um i think it was a it was a N race um in phoenix i think it was a N race um 2011 and uh it was like his first points paying race because he had done like that toyota all-star showdown at irwindale that year or something and um i remember i was working for SB nation at the time and i just kind of shadowed him and he was he was doing um you know media interviews on pit road afterwards. And there was these fan, you know, fans of his that had just come out to see him and gathered along the fence. And they were yelling, Travis, Travis. And he turns around. He's like, I'll be there in a couple minutes. Sure enough, after his interviews, he hops over the pit wall, cross the track, goes up the crossover stairs into the stands and just starts being like, Hey, what's up everybody. And like starts signing autographs, posing for pictures. I mean, he stood there for 15 minutes, um, you know, gave thumbs up for every picture, all this stuff and like may, like i remember him waiting till everybody was done like he got everybody it wasn't just like okay i'll do this 15 minutes and i'll leave it was like he he looked around he's like you good everybody good all right everybody thanks for coming like um and i think if i'm not mistaken maybe i'm conflating this with another time but i think he'd given somebody his shoes even walked across the back across the track in his socks like he is so fan friendly and he gets it so much and he's so popular um, in the motorsports world, I just think such a big plus to have him. now, is he going to be able to win the Daytona 500? No, I don't think so. Um, is he going to be able to complete all the laps? Uh, there's a high chance he may crash out. I mean, this is not, there,
1: there's no guarantee he's gonna
0: be in the race to be honest with you. Uh, fair point, fair point. Um, so, you know, but I think it's exciting. I think it's a cool storyline and, uh, you know, I think it will get more casual fans. Certainly you go, Oh, you could say, well, Jeff, why are you, why are you praising somebody who's going to be in the race that, that might crash? I mean, um, you know, isn't that, why does that, why does that matter? Well, um, you know, there's a lot of people in the race that might crash. <laughs> like oh, field might crash, uh, you've seen racing Daytona five hundreds, <laughs> you know, certainly there, there's been many less qualified, less talented drivers who get into that race or, or get themselves in and, and crash. So um, I'm not going to hold that against him, uh, if he does, but. I think it's, it's neat. That's cool. It'll be fun. Jordan, this was a, uh, interesting week for me. Um, you know, talking about racing has, has been, uh, has been nice because man, it was tough. Uh, it was tough mentally being on this, uh, jury trial. I'm not going to get into all that. Um, you know, but I, one thing that I, that struck out that I wanted to talk to you about was the jury deliberations because, it sort of brought me back to some of the debates we have on the podcast or in NASCAR or Twitter, you know, it was interesting because we, you know, we listened to the trial for three days. We're not allowed. I wasn't allowed to talk to any of the other jurors. You know, you can't compare notes on your break. You know, yeah, I wasn't allowed to talk to anybody about it. Um, you can't Google anything, nothing. Right. So I have a notion of what I think everybody else might be thinking in this case. Right. And so they put us in this jury deliberation room. They say, you guys are not coming out of this room until you come up with a verdict, right? Like you're staying as a group. Like if somebody went to take a bathroom break, um, which the bathroom was like in the jury room, you couldn't even leave the jury room. Then we had to stop deliberating because everybody had to be in the debate at all times. So we start going around the table and saying what we all think. And I thought of you because I went on one of my podcast rants um, about what I I'm thought sorry. of the
1: case is that I had to laugh. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> no, I was like, this is what I think this guy, this is why I think he's guilty. He did this, this, this is, I went through my notes. I had this whole thing and, did they you know, call you so, angry too. No, some of the, you know, I got a lot of nodding heads. Like I could see, you know, some people were buying it and I'm like, okay, like I'm being persuasive here and you know, did I'm going to bring
1: up Bristol dirt. God, I hope so.
0: <laughs> but so then we, you know, everybody goes around and say what they say and, and, we vote the first time and it was not 12 to zero. It was eight to four on Uh-oh. on the guilty side. And I'm thinking, Oh gosh, there's four people in here who see this completely differently than I do. As strongly as I felt about it, there's four people in that see completely differently and they weren't, they weren't like on the fence. They were like on the other side. It wasn't like, ah, uh, maybe I'd, I'd like to hear more. It was like, no, I, I think this, he's not guilty. And it was like, Oh, we're going to be here for a while because on Twitter or in our debates or whatever you're, you know, when you're talking about a NASCAR subject and you're trying to convince somebody something, Oh, Bristol dirt sucks, say, right. Or, or, you know, they should change this rule. You get opinions and then people are not on Twitter end up being like, they'll, they'll argue and then they'll leave the conversation or they'll block somebody or they'll just move on. Or, you know, you, you look at the other side and you can say, We're not going to be able to find common ground. So I'm just not even going to continue this conversation. Like welcome my every Sunday, (laughs) but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much of that. I feel like in the world and like the divisiveness, you, you look at the other side of whatever viewpoint you have about anything and you go, there's no, there's no hope here. Like we're, we're not going to be able to ever agree. Well, we didn't have a choice. We're not leaving that room until we get a consensus. So after four hours of talking about this, the other people, the four people, the holdouts end up coming around one by one, um, and legitimately seeming to change their mind, change their viewpoint after hearing other arguments. And it was like, wow, I hadn't really experienced this because, you know, (laughs) I'm not saying with, not with you, but like just in, all the, the, all the debates I know are like NASCAR debates or whatever. Right. So like people are either one side or the other and you have your viewpoint about whatever's going on and that's it. Um, so it was really eye opening for me to see like, if you keep trying to find the common ground, what you do agree on and then build off that and then use consensus and logic and, um, you know, consensus building kind of stuff, whatever, um, there is a point where you can, you know, you can, you can reach, uh, agreement on something. So long story short, I guess, uh, let's, I'm going to continue my campaign against Bristol dirt.
1: Okay. So that was my <laughs> question. Are you coming to Bristol on Easter weekend? No, that and was ha- actually not open, my original open point. Open your mind, Jeff. Come see it from a different perspective. Come no, see gonna, it from a different viewpoint. <laughs>
0: I appreciate that. No, no, uh, that wasn't going to be my original point. I was just, that's, um,
1: uh, yeah. but it, so it was interesting. To you. It'd be great. We'll spend Easter together. It'd be great. But I,
0: I might, I might be approaching some debates differently this year because I think, Oh, that's so cute. You think so? Well, you know, what was interesting is I had to change my, um, my, my, rant did not work. Right. That like shock. my rant spoke to the people that already agreed with me, yes. but it didn't, it didn't change any of the minds. Of Did people you try
1: to- rapping to your point? Maybe in the jury room, maybe <laughs> yeah, you would try to rapping. You might've done be better
0: a, appropriate for that situation. Trust me. But, um, I,
1: I bad think for laughing, what, I'm sorry.
0: what was effective was reasonable, um, you know, questioning of things, not talking, you know, like this is how I feel and this is the only way to feel. It was like exploring somebody else's viewpoint. And very gently, you know, not overdoing it, not coming off too strong because that was, that was not working with those people, the holdouts, right? Like they were like, the more people in the jury room tried to be like, how can you not see this kind of thing that doesn't convince somebody that only pushes somebody further toward their point. You know what I'm saying? Like they only go, well, they're, they're, they're just an idiot or they're just, you know, so the way to convince people was to say oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I could see that a little bit, you know? And, and why do you feel that, you know? Um, anyway, that, that part was really jumped out at me. And I wanted to talk about that on the podcast. Cause I thought that was just a, a fascinating exercise, sort of like you did not have a choice and you had to, you had to settle on something. So this is going
1: to last for like two weeks. And then I'm going, you're going to go back to the mad terrorist ranting and raving crazy man, you know, this writing rap- even- kind of thing.
0: This won't even last till the next episode. I'm just telling you something that I could t- <laughs> potentially could have learned, but uh, my won't last. my
1: guess is we don't get through. Uh, I say Fontana third, you know, so three races into the season
0: before, like you you've gone back the other way. Oh, it's not gonna. I'm telling you, it won't. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not saying I'm gonna change my ways. Of course, uh, why would you, why would you want to take a more nuanced and measured approach to life when you can raise your blood pressure
1: and your, your your face turns to like seven different chains of red?
0: Well, if, if those people didn't come around, that was going to probably be the end result. Cause I was just like, how can you not see this? Wrote a rap, I'm how did you. we listen to the same stuff for three days of taking notes and you guys didn't feel this way? Like what? Um, No, but everybody, you know, people see the world differently. People see things differently. So that's, it was interesting. It was very interesting. Uh, yeah, I guess that's all I, all I have for now. Um, we'll be back. Well, gosh, I mean, the clash is only what? Three more weeks. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. It's wild. I mean, we're going to be, we're going to be at races in no time. So yeah, we'll both be in LA. It'll be fun. Yeah. Wow. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Coming up real fast. Um, and we're continuing to, uh, write some preseason stuff in the meantime. Um, do you want to tease our, our off season project more? Should we tell them what we're working on or you don't want to do that yet?
1: I think we've teased it. We teased it a little bit last week. We teased it this week. I think we're, I think we're good. I don't want to, let's not, let's not give it away completely yet.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Let's get sure further
1: right. down the road with it first. Okay. All right.
0: <laughs> we have something cool coming. We think so. Yeah.
1: We so celebrate Nascar's 75th anniversary in a very cool way.
0: We, we we're 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 trying we're trying to do something cool um all right well everybody uh, of course thanks so much for listening um jordan thanks for your time as always and congrats on a great week uh of of news breaking and thanks for uh picking up the slack and hopefully i'll try to return to form here uh now that i'm out on jury duty glad you're uh, back bud thank you Everybody, have a great week. We will talk to you next time on The Teardown.